more than in any of the other episodes, the other, what, 15 we've done so far, this is the one that I get Mm. the feeling that I am about to sit at a seminar. (laughs) And I work for for a company... And I'm I'm tolerating it because I'm basically getting the afternoon off. The reason being that we're gonna the, the subject matter feels like one of those where you get some wacky people come in and come and tell you uh-uh. ha- about how this thing. No, it's it's really important, yeah, because uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna meet those deliverables. We've just got to find more playful ways of doing it, guys. You know, let's let's all go around the circle and let's just <laughs> laugh. Let's just have a laugh. <laughs> Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's P for play. Fake, fake, faux. Uh, performative cynicism aside, Anya, we're talking about play. I'm delighted yes, to dear. be talking about play. But why are we talking about play, please? There are certain topics and certain ideas that come to our mind when we think about happiness. And, you know, the sense of feeling, feeling good, feeling lighthearted, feeling like we're doing things which mean that time passes without us noticing. Mm. These are all things which I associate with play. And, you know, I love this quote by Dr. Stuart Brown, the author of Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, Invigorates the Soul. He says, the opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. And there's so much, you know, the World Health Organization sends out these, you know, regular reports talking about how depression is one of the, if one of, if not the greatest sources of disability in the world right now. And so being able to recognize that, you know, play is something that's useful. I mean, there's a lovely story from his book where he talks about the Caltech's Jet Propulsion Lab and trying to find engineers to deal with the problems. And all these newly hired ones could understand the theories of stuff and, you know, tease out, but they couldn't really tease out the critical elements and, and put them together in new ways until... You know, and he realized when he met Nate Jones, who ran a precision machine shop for, for Formula One racing, actually, that because he had the same problem with his recruits. And it actually lay in how those engineers played as children. Because the ones who actually played with, you know, used their hands when playing, when growing up, were able to see solutions that those who hadn't couldn't. You know, the way they could play with ideas, the way they played with taking things apart and then putting them back together again. And so it's this kind of, it feels to me like in this world where there are more problems than there are ready solutions, being able to take things apart and manipulate them in the positive sense to, to, to re-experience them to find new ways, new avenues into understanding them is really, really helpful. And it's, you know, this isn't like new stuff. You know, this is one of the things that we are inherently born with. And when I was doing some research for this, I discovered Jack Panksepp's uh, research. He's a neuroscientist and he suggests that there are, that we've been born with these seven primary process emotional systems, you know, and they're including things like seeking, lust, care, panic slash grief, rage and fear. 
and play is amongst them. You know, this is something, you know, one of our emotional systems is actually built around this. This is, you know, our inheritance, our, our innate capacity. And, you know, I love how the National Institute of Play actually has like these key neuroscience findings. You know, this is why I'm starting heavy with the neuroscience beca- purely because I think that we often think that play needs to be justified. Is, um, needs to be justified. It doesn't lead to anything. It's it's useless. But you know, there's, there's this idea they talk about these different key findings. You know, it's part it's part of the neurobiology of all mammals and. You know, you won't be able to see this unless, unless you're watching the video, but there's a cat right now trying to play with Mark. I kid you not. <laughs> and he's a very, very His name playful is boy today. Come, come and say hello. He's positively vibrating <laughs> uh, with, with, the, uh, with the things that he's got to say and the things that he wants to do. Uh, and yes, he, um, he definitely wants my attention. He definitely wants to play. And I don't play with him enough is, is the honest truth. You know, and with these, 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 these circuits are crucial for the wiring of the cortex, the upper part of the brain in the, in the, in the early years. And I think, you know, with, with pets and with animals, they're a wonderful way to encourage us to play more because they take us back. They're, you know, a, an adult cat is much closer am, to being a kitten, really. But then they also bring out in us that, that childlike nature, that ability, that, that justification to play. You know, and it is remarkable that... You know, the, the, one of the findings that they offer is that inadequate play, you know, not having enough in our lives, and that this is as children and as adults can lead to depression and interfere with not just our social uh, learning, but also our emotional development as well. Because, you know, one of the things which I'm, if, if you're a casual listener to this, you might not have heard me bang on about it for like a minute mm-hmm. or two, but polyvagal theory, you know, it's this way of, being able to experience threat, you know, having this activation sense, but you're in connection with others, in connection with another. And so we can actually learn and experience aspects of ourselves. Yeah, because I guess a lot of play has to involve things not necessarily working out or getting things wrong. You know, if you think about even something like doing a jigsaw, you have to contend with the fact that, not every mm. piece you pick up is going to be the unless you've met incredible odds not every piece you pick up is suddenly going to slot in and so you are learning how to navigate around that to go okay that didn't work what if i try this and i imagine there's there's got to be a development aspect to that 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 you know that's one of the reasons surely it's got to be necessary yes and, and not just for us for all for all um, animals really but actually it's, it's funny when you're talking you're making me think because mm-hmm. i know that one of your loves is improvisation and i think you know that for me always i always as someone who hasn't really improvised i always think of it as being a primary way of experiencing play you know you create the container create the, the context you can deal with perhaps or, or come up with unexpected things which you might find challenging perhaps outside of that arena but there's this, this shared agreement mm-hmm. and you know each other you know you've got oh, each absolutely i can't remember if, if we've talked about this as the curse of the podcast i can't remember if we've talked about this on previous episodes or just as people <laughs> uh, but one of the things that i was really mm taken with what one of the reasons i think i, I took to it and, and really enjoyed the the form is that 
you get to make up the rules. You get to, if you accidentally call your scene partner mm. dad, they are now your dad. And that's fine. There's no, no one's, no one's looking at you, poking at you going, Oh, you called her dad. Like that's not happening. That's just what the reality of the world is now. And so, you know, if you have a bit of social awkwardness uh, or a lot of social awkwardness uh, about you, the ability to go up on stage and Mm. for, for you to, to kind of not be able to make a mistake in a sense, or certainly, you know, the, the idea of the social Mm. faux pas, it just becomes either part of the world and that's how everybody behaves or it becomes fodder you know it becomes content and there are aspects of that that you can i think take through Mm. to life to just go yeah it's just it's just grist for the mill it's just it's just you know it's just more stuff that we can play with because as an improviser you're always looking for this idea of a game of the scene you're always looking for the unusual thing the unusual bit of behavior that you can then iterate on and so what improvisation can teach you is the ability to spot that in yourself and spot that in others and go, I just said a word weird. I'm going to double down on that now. And I've just decided that's how I say that word from now on. And everybody can yeah. can get in and have a laugh on that rather than going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm live on stage and I said the word wrong. It's like, you know, case in point, and, and, and we, we have to move on because we've got so much. If I think about the talk that I did yeah. uh, that, that you uh, very kindly attended, my mic literally fell off as we were talking and that got you know i was able to turn that into a a a moment and call it a mic drop and all these you know because i'd been equipped Mm. i'd been far more embarrassed on stage doing improv and uh, you know so i was prepared for a little bit of you know (laughs) of, of of that to to have something in my back pocket and it's not like you've got these stored away somewhere but the synapses or the the neural pathways are kind of kind of there and yes play is the absolute rehearsal for that and as you've been talking, like the image <laughs> and the word of uh, uh, Play-Doh has been coming to my mind, actually. And, mm. you know, bear, bear with me for like 30 delicious. seconds while I go off on a limb on this. So salty. But it's the idea of going back to one of my favorite books, Will Stores, uh, The Science of Storytelling. And he talks about how when we are up until like late adolescence, we are building our picture of the world inside us and that the different rules, whatever. Once we get to a certain age, though, we become world defenders. And so we end up rejecting data and information and narratives that don't conform or confirm the story, the map of the world that we have created. As you're talking, I'm linking this to my idea of Play-Doh in as the fact that we can feel that things are very set Mm. and hard, made of Lego, like block bricks. And so, you know, to get to a certain point, I need to put this brick on this brick on this brick. And there's a certain amount of creativity in that, but the the bricks themselves are hard and solid and fixed. Whereas what you're introducing now is the idea of of these things, everything can soften into Play-Doh. So yes, you can make Lego bricks out of Play-Doh and I think they'd be pretty rubbish. But the fact that you are bringing in this sense of malleability of our reality, I think that is an interesting aspect and an interesting concept just to play with. I mean, we've just talked about some very concrete examples about how play can benefit us that we've we've experienced or you've experienced. But, you know, just just a little one to end, end on the science of this, you know, about how it can benefit us. And these are things which research has pointed to. You know, it relieves stress through releasing endorphins. You know, endorphins are one of the happy chemicals that uh, along with the oxytocin, serotonin and dopamine 
tend to be associated with giving us a pleasant, <laughs> a pleasant feeling of being human. It also improves brain function. There's some suggestion that it even may uh, possibly delay Alzheimer's. It is. Which I think is a remarkable thing. And, you know, helps us to learn. I think, you know, your thing with the jigsaw puzzle going, oh, that doesn't quite fit, or maybe this one or this, whatever. Being able to do this trial and error aspect, but also, you know, I mentioned the, the uh, polyvagal stuff earlier on, my, my favorite thing. When we are in a state where our nervous system is parasympathetic, where we are quite calm, quite relaxed or engaged, we are more open to to learning. Now, we are able to, to understand more and to retain more in our memory. And then, you know, I think we've already touched on this idea of, you know, uh, stimulating new ideas and new pro- thinking and problem solving. But I think it's not just like physical problems out in the world. The idea of healing emotional wounds through new positive safe experiences i think you know again this it's this thing of being able to test the water on things and be able to experience them in a container which allows us to just just down regulate just feel a little bit safer a little bit better a little bit more open to experience and you know through that that's that's improves our relationships and our connections There's a lovely book by Barbara Fredrickson called um, Love 2.0, which talks about these micro moments of connection. You know, and I love that. One of the things I don't get out, I don't get out much anymore, you know, due due, due to health reasons. Um, But one of the things, you know, when I do go out meeting dog owners, when I go for a little little walk or whatever, just having a playful conversation, just be a little eye flash. Now you look at the dog, then you re- register there's actually an owner nearby as well. And it just makes this moment of, I see you, which I think so many of us, whether we admit it to ourselves or not, c- can certainly have more of in our lives. I think a lot of us, though, as, while we as a whole may not be completely unseen, I think we tend to have and maybe I'm spitballing on this, and the aspects of ourselves that might not be witnessed by others. And I think being involved in play can allow some of those aspects to come out. And, you know, it helped. And as you put out, pointed out about your talk and the literal mic drop and your microphone fell off, you know, it helps us to function under difficulties. You know, bringing this perspective and bringing this humour, which brings us this little bit of respite you know, I think that it, it's, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that a lot of us are feeling tired or exhausted or emotional or overwhelmed. We've got world fatigue. Yeah, yeah. And so being able to have these oases in our lives, these little moments of play and, and, and respite, quite frankly, rather needed. Needed. Mm. Well, the other for anyone who may struggle with justifying play, I'm thinking of play in terms of practice. Mm. And a couple of things that we've that we've talked about here is it's it can be practice for certain situations that might be, uh, you know, there's a real you know, talk about role playing um, mm. as a way of even in training we we do role play, um, but I think also. 
whether it's improv, I mean, I'm, I'm starting a stand-up course next, uh, next year, uh, earlier, which, which will be another way of playing, um, obviously, but another way of practicing, you know, for me, the improv thing was about practicing my, to, for my brain to be a little bit more, um, have a bit more neuroplasticity, quicker, think around corners. Um, but play in lots of other ways is an opportunity for us to, I think practice a social situation or practice yeah. a, a particular problem because as you talked about, it's in that safe container, it's in that safe space where if you do get it wrong, you know, just like a video game, worst thing that happens is you lose a life. Yeah, absolutely. And so this kind of like, you know, there are so many benefits to play, which kind of takes me to the first prompt, you know, what's stopping you from playing? And, you know, again, go, go, going back to my guru on this, uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, he suggests that, you know, play itself, you know, let's, 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 let's get some language around what play means. And so, you know, these are the seven properties he suggests that, you know, one, it's apparently purposeless, you know, and done for its own sake rather than for survival, food, money or something practical. Which is why I think a lot of people don't want to do it. Yep. <laughs> so you mentioned about the seminar this like at the beginning of this, you know, and and on the contrary, you know, play is voluntary. You know, it's not obligatory or required by duty. You know, we've got a choice in it. We we can decide to do it on our own volition. And then, but of course, if you do not attend the seminar, then uh, <laughs> you will, you will indeed, and also miss out on the donuts they inevitably will bring <laughs> yes. at the end, and which is quite this is the bribe. <laughs> and if you're a- now, we all want to be validated. <laughs> and so, yes, yeah, so you know, another thing that uh, Dr. Stuart Brown suggests is is uh, a property of play is the fact that it has an inherent attraction to it. You know, it's fun and it makes you feel good. Another one is it offers freedom from time. I think I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been looking at my schedule for this week and, and going, ah, and, and everything, I know, and I know everything takes me twice as long as I think it's going to take as well. So I fuck it. And so, you know, during the, you know, when we're playing, we lose a sense of time passing and then perhaps feel less self-conscious, you know, stop worrying and thinking and find, find flow. As 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 is put by um, Chick sent me high, and then you know, I, in, interestingly enough, you know, mentioning the improvisation thing, you know, he suggests that one of the properties is that it has the potential for improvisation. We're open to serendipity and chance, and I think it's the having this open awareness of what is available to us and what is around us and what is before us. I think particularly because in did we get a prize if I say polyvagal theory three times? Is that, is, oh, come, sure. Or is it like a drinking game now for the listener? <laughs> Each time I say polyvagal theory, you have to have a, a sip of tea and or something oh. stronger. Um, but when we are in the threat zone, we have developed something called foveal vision, which means that instead of being aware of the periphery of our sight, we are very focused on what's directly in front of us. And I think, you know, when we think about like blinkered thinking, <laughs> it's 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 not just metaphorical. It can come to us, you know, in in a very literal sense like that. And so, being able to be open to serendipity and chance to these things, which didn't Darren Brown do something like this of teaching people to be lucky, and one of his programs that because- sounds about right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is like I've heard it like maybe third hand from this, but this idea because this guy kept on saying how un how unlucky he was, and Darren Brown was like placing these like fifty pound notes on the pavement in front of him, and he never spotted them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something ridiculous like that, and so very often, you know, again going back to the real store thing, we have a map of the world and we defend it and we unconsciously block out information that contradicts it. And so again, which is why I think, you know, play is so important. And then last but not least of these these seven properties, we want to keep doing it. You know, th- th- this is why in, in your in your puff piece at the beginning, you're talking about being in that seminar and going, hey, let's let, let's find a playful way to uh, to, 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 to do this, guys. Yeah. Like, it's, be- it's because, you know, we want to, there is, <laughs> there is so much of being an adult that sucks and you don't want to do. Yeah. And so actually having things that you actively have innate inner motivation to do, it's really, really helpful. And uh, yes, I was thinking about that earlier of uh, uh, many of us, uh, perhaps you listening, uh, have some degree of autonomy over our lives in terms of what we do. Um, and, and there's some inherent risk there as well. But if you're in, in a, at a point where you're thinking about what you want to do, what are those moments where you just find that you're you're losing time and you're enjoying, you know, even even if there's there's aspects of, of work that feels very capital W work, mm-hmm. um, what are those moments where you actually go, oh, you know, this bit here I always look forward to, or this bit always feels a bit fun or I, I don't care if I get it wrong and it feels like that's a nice thing to navigate towards yeah yeah absolutely and I know that you know you're moving into I mean I, I'm loving having this conversation with you because I know that you're now you know you are a creativity coach yes. and so you know <clears throat> using these things and guiding people towards you know, the things that spark this kind of energy is is surely you no know, part of what you're doing yes it's permission and some scaffolding as well. But yes, absolutely. So uh, what's what's stopping us from playing then, Anya? Well, I think we, you know, we've touched on a lot of them already. You know, when, you know, we forget to because there's so many demands on us. You know, we are world weary. <laughs> we're, we're up will, to here, will, she says, indicating yes. six inches above her head with world. <laughs> I, and I will refer you back to, I ain't got time to cut enough stone. He's not well again. Uh. <laughs> when you know but like when i was mentioning like the properties of how you know we do it you know it, it's apparently purposeless when when you are stretched for time doing something that you don't see any purpose in even if it'll be benefit of benefit to you actually which is why again i i, I went with the science and there's going to be there's a ton of links oh my there's like a a, 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 co- a cornucopia of of things to click on uh, in the show notes for this just to so you know like that there's, there's there's science behind all of this folks mm-hmm. and then i think one of the other things that we that can block us is to be quite honest we forget how to i you know i'm i'm i sound a fairly cheerful soul but i have had my my moments <laughs> and not in a good way and gosh i'm trying to it must be 20 years ago now when i was going to the doctors and with with you know, depressive symptoms and being diagnosed with anhedonia, which was an inability to experience pleasure. And being asked by the doctor, what do you, what do you enjoy doing? And being, finding it a real struggle to answer, actually. 
And when we have been caught up so much in, in surviving, I think that's the thing, you know, and, and I'm not going to get on my, on my soapbox too much. I'll just put a toe on it. But, you know, the, the modern society, the fact that it very often exhausts you so much that all you can do is participate in it further to numb the exhaustion and the overwhelm. That's a fe- that's a feature, not a bug. Sing it, sister. <laughs> and then, you know, when we are drowning in all these adult responsibilities, it's very easy, easy to dismiss play as something immature or useless. It's just for children. Be- Stop being so childish. That grow up. You- yeah, grow up. Mm-hmm. You know... Oh, and 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 it's so easy to internalize these things as well. I am at at a point with a couple of projects now, and I'm and I can feel myself occasionally going, "Oh shit, I need to be a grown up now." Mm -hmm. You know, I am so. One of the stories I tell myself is, "I'm just three toddlers in a trench coat pretending." Brackets badly close brackets <laughs> you know it's like it's like when the muppets do a thing where they're trying to get into like a, oh, yeah. a fancy restaurant and then you can like see hey mister <laughs> and it's like kermit's po- poking why is kermit at the top of those things i know he's the leader but he's a frog he looks the least he looks the least like a, like a humanoid yeah. <laughs> yeah but then you know you get fozzy poking his head out as well like he's because un- underneath it, it's it's that kind of thing and so being able to Accept, and as you just mentioned now, we know in, in your coaching work, giving people permission for this. And this is why I'm, you know, I, I've put a lot of detail into this particular podcast because I too want to help people explore or understand there is scaffolding for this if they want to explore it further. And then, you know, because very often we feel like we need an excuse. You mentioned mm. it earlier on, we need to justify why we are you know, playing and and so that we don't have to worry about what other people think. And then, you know, one of the things which I think is really interesting, you know, talking about the improvisation and you were saying how you can't can't really make a mistake. I think there are some aspects of play that I gravitate towards and some which make me feel very anxious because there is this fear of, oh, I need to do that perfectly. Yes. You know, this is why I keep talking to you about improvisation because I know that I would enjoy it, but I'm still a bit scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because of this fear of not doing it right, which kind of like ties into this thing of, you know, rediscovering or uncovering the ways of play that, that really work for us. You know, if we're going to see or create opportunities for play in our lives, we really need to know what what suits us, what fits us, what allows us to relax and fully be ourselves and aspe- and access that inner child that's just, just waiting to get out. Well, that sounds like it brings us neatly to, uh, to figuring out our kinds of play, which uh, having gone through some of this, I'm quite excited by this because it feels... Uh, this feels quite sort of tangible and we can, you know, practical and we can actually dig around in this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah. would, would you uh, walk us through this? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to preface it by saying there's, there's like different kinds of play and then there are particular play personalities. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to throw too much spaghetti at this wall, but, you know, the National Institute for Play suggests 
that there are things like, you know, attunement, play, which is particularly what we do with babies and small children where we are mirroring them, you know, body and movement play. And I know a number of our friends, you know, love to go out uh, salsa dancing and doing yoga, object play, which is kind of what I do when I'm sewing. You know, I'm manipulating things, I'm moving things around. Imaginative play, it's kind of like the improv stuff, I guess, you know, with, with others. Social play, rough and tumble. You know, if you have kids who love to, who want to uh, Climb wrestle. on dad. Yes, <laughs> or climb on uncle, I'm sure, in yep. your case. <laughs> uh, yep, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, well, back in the day, just as a kid, like that was, mm. that was a thing, you know, we'd watch Gladiator on a Saturday night and then me and my brother would fight my dad. We, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd uh, crawl around on his, um, uh, on his knees uh, and elbows down on the ground like a silverback gorilla and, um, <laughs> and we would jump on him. And the thing is, you know, that it's it's these kinds of things that, that play kind of like creates in us these memories because it generates these positive emotions. Mm, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And again, it's 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 doing all of those things. It's doing it's doing all that stuff within safety. So all right. So if if you're if you're listening to this, just kind of make a mental just listen and see if the descriptions suit you, and then you'll get a bit of an idea. And so so the first one is, I love to be disruptive and silly and make other people laugh through jokes, impressions or mischief. Bing! <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know now, I'm binging on a couple of these. Uh, Excellent. There's, there's three, I've got three. I've got three. <laughs> Fabulous. And so if that rings true for you, you're probably a joker. Mm-hmm. I know, and this is what most of us think of when we think about being playful. Because it revolves around this idea of being silly, nonsensical, and you know, obviously making others laugh. And if you were the uh, class clown in school, or you know, engage in play through telling jokes or doing impersonations or even practical jokes, it's pro- this is probably a good fit for you. And I can see Mark is nodding and smiling. I was very much uh, the 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 um, class clown in primary school, and then in secondary school I was not. But I did once. Oh, it's mean, <laughs> but it was funny, and it was you know that's 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 my justification. <laughs> is I did pull someone's chair out from under them just as they were about to sit down and have lunch. Oh. Like the timing of it, <laughs> it was it was chef's kiss good. It was absolutely, absolutely perfect. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, well, next. I... Next, next. Okay, so if, if, if that resonates with you, you are, you are also with Mark in detention. Yes. Um... <laughs> Better to be a joker than a toker or a midnight smoker. Indeed. <laughs> and so if that doesn't float your boat, how about this one? And so I need to move my body. Physically pushing my body and experiencing movement brings me bliss. And so if that rings true for you, you might be as kinesthete. And these are people who play through movement, you know, being physically pushing their bodies. And it might include athletes with a comp- with, uh, when the comp- competition aspect is not the main focus. It's more about the joy and engaging in the activity. And it might take the form of running, dancing, sports, yoga, swimming, hiking, or walking. And I think I think we know a, a few people in our midst who that that probably suits. I think we do. I think we do. And so, and if that doesn't work, how about this one? I'm curious and like to investigate or engage 
with the world around me, physically, emotionally, or mentally. Bing! (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to steal that. And that's the explorer, you know. And this is the idea that we all of us started by exploring the world around us. You think of a small baby crawling on the floor, putting blocks in its mouth, taste things. And some people never lose enthusiasm for it. It becomes, you know, exploring, it becomes their preferred path into play. And I think when I first saw this, I didn't think it suited me. Mm. But then I looked into it a little bit further because it says, you know, it can be physical going to new places, which is how I always thought of as exploring, mm-hmm. you know, like physically being out there. And with my health and mobility issues, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not an option for me. But it's also can be, you know, emotional, searching for a new feeling or a deepening of the familiar through music, movement, or even flirtation. Or it can be mental through researching a new subject or reading a book. And this is why I think that I went ding, because mm. I had quite the happy little rabbit hole this morning, you know, <laughs> re- researching this topic and re-earthing the things that I had discovered previously when I taught this topic. And then adding to it through, you know, exploring the, the National Institute for Play and just going, oh, all the goodies, lots of research papers. <laughs> and so then the next one is, I love specific goals and rules. So I know when I win, I keep score, track progress, and I want to be number one. This is the competitor. You know, and they they engage in play through competitive games with with specific rules. I think it's interesting you talked about improv, saying that there are no rules. You basically make them up. I think the competitor is like, okay, what are the rules so I know when I win? Yes. <laughs> the rules are very important because there's a line that I must cross, and I must be the one who crosses it first. <laughs> is there an aspect of um, self competition here? Does that does that come into this? People who are competitive with them themselves, do you think? Is there, is there, a, yeah, is play? Does that fit into any of these archetypes? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, for the competitive, you know, the games can be solitary. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be there trying to beat your top score in a video game. It's not just about you know being social and competing in a team sport. And it, can, and it doesn't even require being an active participant. You know, we can also be a competitor just through observing and being a fan of our particular competitive sports. And so, you know, wanting to back when I was a kid, because I because I grew I was born in Liverpool and I am not far from Anfield. And so, as a kid, one of my ways of of connecting with that side of my family was watching football and supporting Liverpool. And just while I'm not competitive in the slightest, it was there was if there was any competitive in competitiveness in me whatsoever, it was like okay, so how, where is Liverpool in in the league mm. at that time? You know, did did they beat Everton or Man United or whoever it was then? You know, and so we can channel it channel it in that way. And it's like, was it fantasy football mm-hmm. now? You know, you can be, that's a big thing. That's really competitive. Yes. You know, and, and yes, it's also, you know, tying in with some of the things like the the context I mentioned earlier, you know, that is part of imaginative play, Mm -hmm. really, Mm. you know, and so it has, it has all these different facets. Certainly does. It does. 
But, you know, we're going to need someone who might organize these team events. Hmm. Yeah. And so does, how does this one land with folks? I love to bring people together. Sometimes planning and organizing an event is as fun as the event itself. I am taken back to, I was thinking about this uh, a couple of days ago about back in the day when you had a group of friends and you wanted to go, let's say, bowling. It was always bowling and you'd basically block out the afternoon or, or possibly the whole Saturday to be on the phone to ring around everybody to figure this out. Well, they can't do it Saturday from next, but they can do it the Saturday after that. That's fine. But it has to be from 12 to 2. And is Lauren going to come? Yeah, so that's cool because if Lauren comes, then Natalie will come. Uh, and then, all right, cool. and, you know, and then, and then you've mm-hmm. got the whole thing of, you know, if people don't show up, it's just like, oh, okay they're not coming, you know, because we have no way of knowing because we don't have mobile phones. And so, you know, we'll, we'll hang outside for 15 minutes. And then if they don't appear, then I guess they're not coming. But yes, uh, being, yeah, being that, that wrangler, I think there is definitely a, uh, a satisfaction in that. doesn't yeah. feel as playful, but I guess maybe it stimulates some, some aspect of that for people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if this rings true for you, you're probably a director you know, and I think I, you know, how much benefit a social group can uh, experience if there is someone who loves organizing and planning things mm-hmm. to, 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 to be that wrangler, to be that cat hurdler, you know, and someone who enjoys the planning and executing of events and, you know, instigating group trips or gatherings and, you know, with their focus on people and organizational skills, you know, that I imagine there's a lot of them are like admins of Facebook groups <laughs> <laughs> and, or organizing yeah. meetups and stuff because yeah. it, then it ties in with, you know, the things that they, they love to do, which is bringing people together. But if, that, if you're kind of the opposite of that, this might ring, ring true for you. I love to track down and hold on to the best, most interesting objects or experiences new treasures and if so you're a collector yes yeah yeah and a bit of a ding for me i think oh okay nice (laughs) yeah yeah well it's not so necessarily holding on to the most or best uh, particularly with the experiences but for me i love collecting one of my main hobbies is sewing and i have enough haberdashery, uh, enough fabric, uh, certainly enough sewing patterns to stage. Well, it depends, depends really. I, either an intervention or, or a small store. <laughs> and, you know, there is, a, there is something lovely about, you know, and I'm, 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 and I'm going to say this because I'm, I'm a bit of a collector. There is something lovely about finding something beautiful and then going, oh, I can put this with the other beautiful thing next. But, and they'll, they'll look lovely next door to each other. Yes. You know, and I suppose like the archetypical idea of this is someone who's maybe like a stamp collector or a coin collector. Record um, collector, yeah. Yeah, record yeah. collectors are really great one. And, you know, it's this idea of organizing or showing off their collection. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when I think of people who collect records, you know, the way they've got them uh, categorized, filed. Yes. Oh, yes. T- 
bringing them out, you know, the, the ritual of it. And the thing, you know, what in one of the contexts I mentioned earlier about this idea, I, I forgot to mention the idea of, of celebratory or ritual play. You know, the ritual of, of getting a new record, taking it out the sleeve, just putting it on just gently. Is mm. there's, there's like, a, there's a, yeah, I know, mm. I can see your face, but there is, mm. you don't get yeah, it's right, pure. <laughs> But you don't get that kind of ritual when with like just listening to something on Spotify. You know, there's no. there's something about the tactility of it. One hundred percent. And I think there's also something while listening to a record like that on your own is beautiful. You know, it's it's a cliche in coming of age movies of a certain era for a reason. The idea of sharing that 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 that, that side of an album. Mm. And you, and you have to listen to all the tracks, and none of this skipping nonsense. You're just going no, no, for, the, no. for the for the for your favourite. Absolutely, but then but you get to know it in a different way, and then sharing that with another person. You know, knowing you've got like fifteen or twenty minutes together in that experience. I'm dinging on the next one. <laughs> as, as as when I added it to the list, I I thought of you. I almost like put, just put a photo of your name there. So I'm happiest doing something with my hands whether it's making something new or fixing or restoring things. And if that rings true for you, you're an artist or, or creator. Ding. 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 <laughs> and so, you know, there are loads of different ways that this can manifest. But I, I love the fact that it's making something with, with your hands. You know, I mentioned in the collector aspect, the thing that I'm collecting tend to be on the more practical side. Well, I mean... I'll have to live to, and I'm, I'm 150 to use it all. But <laughs> technically speaking, I'm collecting things which I can then use that, to make other things. But it can in, involve things like drawing, building or sculpting, you know, painting or singing, knitting, which reminds me I've got a, so, a knitting project which I've been doing for the past eight years, gardening, woodworking, or any kind of those kind of hands-on endeavors. But it also might mean that you take joy in fixing or making something work. You know, like taking apart a broken item, cleaning and replacing parts and putting it back together again. And I know that one of the, 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 the joys, televisual joys that we share, uh, the repair shop. Oh. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> as I was reading that list, I just went, oh, and like images of it were just coming into my mind. <laughs> He is a dream, isn't he? Just, um, <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's 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 competence porn. It yes. is, yeah. It's all it's all the it's all the good wholesome things. <laughs> yes. uh, and then um, finally, we have finally. we have another ding for me. Yes, yes, and and I think again, this came as no surprise. Yeah, I, I did think of you when when I typed typed it up as well. So, I adore stories either telling them or losing myself in a film or novel and using my imagination. And if that's true for you, you're probably a storyteller. And so, you know, I love this because it, it, it's, I, I think there's a little bit of a ding for me as well. Mm, like, like yeah, just, yeah a, li a little bit. Certainly with the idea of, you know, using one's imagination. And, you know, if... if I, I was, it's become a bit of a thing, isn't it, in, in, in the WhatsApp groups that we share that I put in stage directions for some <laughs> of my stuff. Of course. <laughs> you know, to add a little extra colour. Yeah. But it's this idea of creating an imaginative, imaginative world through dance, acting, magic tricks or lectures. 
and being immersed in a story. I think this is where why it really rings true for me because like the idea of experiencing the thoughts and emotions of characters and you know you might enjoy reading novels, watching uh, films or the theater, even writing our own things. And certainly for me, you know one of if I, if I'm not if I haven't got the energy for sewing, one of the ways that I spend time is like watching K-dramas mm. like on Netflix. <laughs> and you know getting lost in the thoughts and emotions like and also noticing the tropes kind of like yeah. by episode 14 of a 16 or 18 episode one you know that usually 16 you know that the couple are going to split up something's going to happen and that like, everything's going to fall apart and it's going like episode 15 you're going to be going oh but they're never going to get together and then the, the last episode so, sorry to spoil about 90 percent of korean romances um or all romances having having read a lot of them professionally <laughs> oh, uh yes. they all follow the same this, yeah yeah it's 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 two people there's uh they they, they get on they're a little bit inhibited uh, they're about to do the deed and then or maybe they do a little bit of the deed and then there's a horrible misunderstanding one person thought the other person said a thing and they didn't say the thing or they meant something different and then there's the big split up for a chapter and then there's the last chapter when they all get back together again and bone <laughs> well in korean drama they don't burn but they, what yeah. they do it tend to have like like a year later or three years later or like a thing so that you know that rather than like in the western stories where they end at the wedding mm-hmm. they kind of like they have that little bit and then they like spend like 20 minutes at the end like reassuring people that don't worry yes we know that they are people go beyond that point and mm-hmm. just to show that shit has actually genuinely worked out so nice little yeah. coda little coda little coda so uh this is this is all very this is all very useful uh, and this is all very uh intellectual how, how do we, as the artists and creators, might want to do it? You know, actually get our hands on this and, yeah, and, and do, some, hands do some. Yes, let's, let's do, do some, some damage. Stuff. Absolutely. Well, I think there's for a lot of us. You know, there's a wonderful Austin Cleon video which you shared recently, which I must put in the show notes for this, which talks about how someone brought a, a lovely hand-knit scarf. To, to, uh, you know, to birthday party and everyone was cooing over it going, oh, you know, you could, you could sell these on Etsy. Or, you know, if you make cupcakes, people go, oh, have you ever thought of, thought of you know, starting up your own like sideline in like making cupcakes and everything. You know, he talks about everything that like, our hobbies are being turned into side hustles. Mm. And so, you know, there is something to be said. For, this is, I get this a lot actually with my sewing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when I show so either show someone something that I've made or I give them something, mm-hmm. they will go, "Oh my God, have you ever thought of selling these?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember I was giving out, I was making on on the spot and giving out origami hearts at yes. a. <laughs> I think it was a Hay House event a couple of mm-hmm. years ago, like the workshops, whatever, and. You know, a lady looked at it and was like, oh, my goodness, this is so lovely. You could sell these. (laughs) And the whole point was just like making this little thing, this little gift to give someone on the spot and and, putting a little note of, you know, you're amazing or you are loved or you are enough or whatever inside. That was that was where the pleasure came for me in the artist creator aspect of playing and making something that didn't exist beforehand. You know, and so I think I, I'm going to suggest now that whatever you have, 
or what want to do, and it could be just even just trying something new, is that you keep it as a hobby <laughs> rather than necessarily needing to monetize it. You know, which I do get it. You know, there's so much, so many people have these kitchen table businesses. So many people could do with the extra cash, and there is something lovely about you know going back to one of the properties that Dr. Stuart Brown said. You know. Play is inherently purposeless, and then allowing us to have that 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 purposeless time. And I think that's easier if you discover what's playful for you. Because until I did the research, I thought play was kind of like you know that the the exercises you do, like like team building exercises, or having to run around, or but actually, there's so many different kinds of play that are available to us, which might work with our particular personality you know if you are a storyteller you know and you want to be in a social context you know having a storytelling night you know with a group of friends while drinks if you are more introverted using those storytelling skills to create a world you know with using ai you know either you know coming up with images from your descriptions or writing stories you know, or, or interacting with like an AI companion. There's lots of different ways to access our playful nature. And just, you know, if you need to go, go, go back and listen, I might try and put a little document. There's, there's certainly a link at the bottom of this, which gives you a way to look at how, what your personality, your play personality might be. And then ultimately, and I'm, I'm almost hesitant to say this. I'll, 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 I'll preface it like this. There are lots of different kinds of rest that we need in our lives. And I am guilty, as guilty as anyone for assuming that rest means I'm lying down doing nothing. Which, to be fair, in my case, isn't necessarily just rest. It's actually recovery. And apparently there's a difference between the two. <laughs> Who knew? But play as a form of rest, as a form of self-care, as something, which is why I was going to hesitate to put it in, to some, something to schedule, mm. you know, to give ourselves the permission. You know, I, I did it last night. I knew that there was some work that I could just about do. I had just enough energy for it. But allowing myself to indulge in the play of storytelling meant that I went, actually, you know, I would like to just switch off and be captivated by a story for a little while. You know, that's that's the thing which I, I would most feed my soul right now is not defining my self-worth through my productivity, but actually being mm-hmm. rather than doing, which again, I think ties in nicely to, to one of your podcasts with, with Brendan. Mm, yeah. Also, that makes me what what you said uh, a moment ago makes me think about because I, I tried the scheduling thing and it kind of uh, one of the 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 many weird little things I tried this year and there was something about scheduling play which just made sort of made me go a bit cold a little bit like the sort of the the sketch uh, I was I was drawing at the beginning of the you know this uh, straw person. Um, uh, from from perhaps a '90s idea of what management consultants are, but that that sort of that boxing off and saying you know this is official time for play. I think what I much prefer is stealing time. 
I, I respond much, much better to, to sort of seeing, okay, you know, I've got a whole Tuesday ahead of me. There's nothing that actually needs to be done today. I'll steal a little bit of time and go and do something. And there's certain things I can feel legitimate in doing. You know, like I, I, I don't feel in, in that time always, unless I'm, you know, really burnt out. I usually don't feel like I can sit in front of the sofa and watch TV, but there are other things that, that I might like to do cognizant of the fact that yeah there's other things i could be doing and this is play but if Mm. i schedule it it feels too much forced whereas Mm. if i'm stealing time i don't know there's a there's an aspect there that um that that sort of just works works for me but you have to do that a little bit responsibly yeah yeah and i guess you know when i think about scheduling time i'm you know what is one of the things which i'm pretty bad at is if it's if i don't consciously intentionally because you you have the intention to play there and you are looking for spaces you notice a space and the thought comes into your mind I think for some of us you know we haven't quite got there yet (laughs) and so in the same way of you know putting you know blocking time blocking and going okay this is time and I'm just gonna just gonna sit and read or I'm gonna close my laptop and I'm just gonna watch you know for me, my K-drama or reading mm. my book or whatever, something that feels playful or like scheduling a call with a friend who you know you're always going to have a good laugh with. Yeah. You or know. as something that I could probably practice actually is scheduling in some not doing time or scheduling in some time to listen and to look uh, to look around and to observe uh, and to draw in rather than to do and to create and to push outwards. Actually scheduling, scheduling that time to be inspired or to be to have your cup filled up, uh, I think, um, would also be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that actually just takes me on to the idea of Julia Cameron because very often uh, from the artist's way and very often, you know, we talk, there's a lot of talk of morning pages. You know, that's that mm. thing in the morning, which is, you know, it's doing the mental dump, clearing things out and so that you you're, you have more, a capacity for the day ahead of you because you haven't got all this stuff marching around your head but actually the the other side of that as you just said is is the receiving and she calls those artists dates mm. and yeah. i think i think i'm just going to offer that to you mark as as a way as an idea you know of how to kind of like sh- quote unquote schedule time but actually thinking just even having this concept of artists dates yeah I think it's a really useful one. And again, another way of allowing us to to look at our diaries, experience the <laughs> the sense of overwhelm that can come. Yeah. And then and then actually go, okay, and I'd like to share and yes, and I'd like to include time for me as you know, as an artist state. I'm incredibly busy today. I've got shit tons to do. And I'd also like to take an hour out to go for a walk and listen to an audiobook. Yeah. Just just as a just as a hypothetical. I don't know why I started <laughs> doing a weird Trump impression. <laughs> just uh, it's very, very hypothetical. Um yeah, I uh yes, you are you are giving me you are giving me pause. So thank you. You're you're welcome. And, and you give know, those this- pause back. That, 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 well, you're, you're very, very great, very great, very, blah, very welcome. It's fine. It's fine. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, should we, should we, um, should we, should we uh, wrap this thing up with some George Bernard Shaw? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, this is when I originally did this as a presentation a few years ago. 
the final slide, I, I completely forgotten about it actually. And it's this, and it has this quote on it. And next door to it is a photo of my late mum from a few years ago. And she, we are in a high street shop that specializes in selling accessories. She, and she's in her early 80s and she's got a big grin on her face. Well, not a big grin, but like a bright smile on her face. Her eyes are lit up and she is wearing a, like a child's white furry polar bear hat with like long pull down bits like to wrap under your chin and stuff. And I thought it encapsulated this quote perfectly because it says, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of happiness. Thank you.